From the food we eat, the air we breathe, the land we dwell, to the health of our body and mind and the well-being of all things in the universe. Unlock the science with Chula Radio Plus. Welcome to Unlock the Science. I'm Virada Salim, responsible for a vast number of casualties in countries around the world. Terrorism not only brings about widespread horror and concerns, but also leaves governments as well as international organizations struggling to handle. First, let us go through what the word terrorism means in layman's terms and from an academic perspective. According to Oxford Dictionary, terrorism means the act of violence with a view to achieving political objectives. Or coercing a government. On the other hand, Professor John Philip Jenkins, who is a renowned academic at Baylor University in the United States, defines terrorism as an organized violent act to spread fear in the general population to achieve a particular political motive. However, the United Nations notes that there is no universal definition of terrorism yet. Each country comes up with its own way of interpretation based on its legal system and national context. To specify, nations define terrorism in terms of the number of people involved differently. For example, definition given by Germany, Spain, Israel, and Italy includes joint efforts, whereas an individual conducts a violent act with a political motive in France can be viewed as a terrorist. The United Nations further attributes this lack of consensus to the constant development of terrorism concept, as well as the need to differentiate terrorist acts from other forms of violence. What exactly is the difference between terrorism and other violent crimes? Then, in one of his interviews, Professor Dr. Surajhat Bamrungsuk, a well-respected academic of Department of International Relations, Faculty of Political Science, Jhulalongkorn University. Whose expertise includes security affairs, pointed out that whether an act of violence can be categorized as terrorism lies in the motives of the offender. He said, "I quote: If the motive of the attack is personal, even if the attack is violent, it can't be considered terrorism, like the case of a student who shot friends and teachers in school. Although it's violent, it may not be terrorism." But if the student is found following the website of a terrorist movement and commits mass shooting of friends, this may be an act of terrorism. End of the quote. Professor Surajai further explained that although violence is part of a crime, it is not carried out to achieve any political objectives or changes. This is a stark contrast to terrorism. One of the deadliest attacks, which has placed many nations on alert of terrorism threats. Took place in the United States on the 11th of September 2001. On that monumental date, a network of terrorists seized four commercial planes and collided them into two landmarks and one area. Two of them crashed into the twin towers of the World Trade Center complex located in New York City, one into the Pentagon Building in Washington D.C., and one in the vicinity of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
These attacks not only led to extensive damage of two facilities, but also caused approximately 3,000 fatalities. According to the Global Tourism Index 2022, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Somalia were the top three countries suffering from the consequences of terrorism in 2021. These three countries are located in South Asia, the Middle East, and Sub-Saharan Africa. These regions and North Africa also recorded the highest number of attacks and deaths from terrorism since 2007. The index attributed increased terrorism to intensifying conflict. Data of the index also showed that nearly every terrorist attack in 2021 happened in conflict-stricken countries. The more intense conflicts a nation encounters, the deadlier terrorist attacks become. By contrast, the number of terrorist attacks in the West saw a drastic decrease in the past three years, with the United States seeing its record low score ever since 2015. In addition, Russia and Eurasia witnessed the largest improvement as casualties caused by terrorism decreased by over 70%. The Global Tourism Index, published by the Institute for Economics and Peace, an independent think tank focusing on peace that is based in Sydney, Australia, analyzes the effects of terrorism in 163 nations around the world based on four indicators, namely the total number of terrorist incidents, fatalities, injuries, and hostages captured in a year. All the set indicators are weighed over five years to calculate the final score for one country. To gain more insights into the global tourism landscape, Unlock the Science reporter Ha Wang Meng talks to Associate Professor Dr. Gumar Ramakrishna, who currently acts as the Provost Chair and Research Advisor in National Security Studies Program, Associate Dean in Policy Studies, and Head of International Center for Political Violence and Terrorism Research at S. Raja Ratnam School of International Studies of Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. Associate Professor Gumar also serves on international boards of several peer-reviewed journals and co-edited two widely recognized books on counter-terrorism. The Global Terrorism Index noted that intense conflicts led to increased terrorism. Besides conflicts, what are other major reasons for high terrorism activity? Well, you know, uh, it is true that you look at conflict zones around the world, terrorism tends to be associated with conflict zones because in conflict zones, you have displaced persons uh, who are aggrieved, uh, do, not, do not have jobs, have lost their homes, and they become uh, easy prey for extremist recruiters. Uh, having said that, so there are other factors as well. So if you look at uh, conflict zones, you could say that that's the macro level explanation, but it's also the meso level or organizational organizational uh, explanation because you need to have groups, you need to have networks that uh, indoctrinate and recruit uh, these uh, aggrieved individuals. You know, uh, so you have the conflict zone, you have the uh, organizations like, for example, uh, Islamic State or Al-Qaeda. And at the individual level or micro level, you also need to have a, a right kind of personality because uh, not all individuals will behave in the same way. Some individuals are more uh, uh, impressionable than others. So uh, so to have a more holistic picture of as to why terrorism occurs, uh, I mean, conflict zones is one factor at a structural level, at a micro level. 
uh, MISO level is the organization. You need the organization, the enabling group. And at the individual level, you need a, a vulnerable individual, right? So, so in fact, this uh, explanation of macro, MISO, and micro can apply even beyond conflict zones. It can be in uh, you know other parts of the world. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Where are the current terrorism hotspots globally? And is there any place which is prone to terrorism in the near future? Well, that's a good question. I mean, if you look at the world right now, uh, of course, Iraq and Syria uh, is where in uh, for the past decade or so, there's been uh, problems. Uh, we saw the Islamic State, uh, ISIS State emerge from Iraq and Syria. Although the Islamic State lost their territorial holdings in March 2019, when it, uh, the last stronghold was defeated by the international coalition against them. Uh, they have survived online, so ISIS is still very active online. And at the same time, because of the pandemic, uh, we have seen uh, 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 indicators that ISIS may actually be coming back in places like Iraq and Syria. But having said that, uh, if you look at uh, Africa, sub-Saharan Africa is where there's a lot of ISIS, uh, Islamic State activity as well. So, for example, uh, in the Islamic State, West African province is very active and has been engaging in a lot of uh, attacks in uh, uh, sub-Saharan Africa. And in fact, uh, ISIS Central, the propaganda organ, has identified uh, Africa as a land of hijra or land of migration. Uh, apart from uh, the Levant, which is uh, Iraq and Syria, Africa is actually the next land of uh, you know where they can try to uh, re-establish their, their global caliphate. So that's very interesting what is happening in Africa. If you look at Southeast Asia, right, I mean, of course, we had the uh, long-time uh, insurgency in the uh, southern Philippines. And, of course, in 2017, for five months between May and October 2017, there was this fighting between the Philippine Armed Forces and uh, threat groups associated with ISIS. Now, the situation has improved because uh, uh, there's been political uh, progress. So now we have the, the barm or the... Bangsa Moro Autonomous Region of Muslim Mindanao, which has helped to address some of the grievances of the, uh, the, the population in that part of the southern Philippines. Uh, but the threat is still there because they, they, uh, if you don't deal with uh, issues like uh, poverty or providing employment and jobs, you know, and proper uh, schooling for uh, young people and getting people their homes back, uh, the, the, the pace of reconstruction, for especially of Maravi City, uh, which was destroyed by the fighting. That's very important. So we have to watch and see what the new uh, Philippine president and his uh, administration are able to do to sort of uh, enhance the pace of Maravi reconstruction so as to reduce the potential grievances that may drive uh, especially young people into the arms of the extremists. So that's the situation, rough situation in Southeast Asia. Do you think domestic terrorism contributes to the public discrimination of different cultures and subcultures related to terrorists and hence? to the damage of national unity? Yeah, this is a very important question. Uh, it is important for our societies uh, to, to realize that if you look at how, uh, for example, in Southeast Asia, the, the, in Southeast Asia at least, the, the biggest threat is the Islamist extremist threat, right? Uh, the, the way the Islamist extremist groups, threat groups operate is they, they try to divide societies, you know? So, so, they want to pit uh, different communities against each other because if you do that and you create a interracial or interreligious conflict, 
uh, you create a conflict zone, as we discussed, and in, in, a, in such a conflict, it's easier to radicalize people because they are, the, the threat groups are exploiting fear and anxiety and uh, tensions, and they can recruit. And uh, so this is uh, something to keep in mind because, so for example, if you look at the case of uh, uh, Singapore, 20 years ago, the JI, the Jama Islamia uh, terrorist network that was affiliated to Al-Qaeda, JI came from Indonesia. Uh, it was an offshoot of the old old separatist uh, movement called Darul Islam in Indonesia. They wanted to create Islamic State Indonesia. So GI wanted to create a Southeast Asian Caliphate 20 years ago, you know, before ISIS even emerged on the scene. So GI's uh, strategy was always to create fighting between uh, different groups, for example, uh, Christians and Muslims. In the case of Singapore, uh, GI wanted to uh, 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 precipitate a conflict between uh, Singapore and Malaysia because Malaysia is mainly uh, Malay Muslim. Singapore is a uh, uh, Chinese, right? Because uh, divided societies, divided uh, communities would be something which terrorist groups look for. So it is true. It is important not to underestimate the uh, the willingness of uh, the threat groups to try to polarize society and create a situation which they can recruit. On the other hand, uh, the, the the government response is also important because if the government and the society res, uh, responds to a terrorist attack by blaming a particular group, that will make the situation even worse and make it easier for the terrorist groups to recruit people from that uh, stigmatized community as well. What are some important things that ASEAN nations, which are not hotspots for terrorism, should note to improve the future counter-terrorism policies? Uh, I think uh, in the past 20 years, uh, a lot has been happening within the ASEAN domain in terms of uh, uh, security and intelligence cooperation, collaboration at the uh, you know the government to government official le- official levels. Uh, there's a lot of political support for uh, greater collaboration in terms of uh, sharing of information and collaborating in counterterrorism because ASEAN countries know that because transnational terrorism does not respect national borders. The response to transnational terrorism must also be transnational. You know, no no country can deal with this the threat of, uh, for example, uh, ISIS uh, by itself because ISIS has a global view. You know, and uh, the same for Al Qaeda, and uh, ISIS ideology, extremist ideology circulates in, across national borders very easily through social media. So there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of collaborating amongst not just governments but amongst uh, civil society organizations. Uh, amongst uh, academia, you know, uh, to sort of uh, collaborate and exchange ideas and, uh, you know, to uh, come together to promote uh, not just a whole of government, but a whole of society and a whole of ASEAN community approach to dealing with the transnational terrorist threat. That is Unlock the Science reporter Hao Wangmang talking to Associate Professor Dr. Guma Ramakrishna head of International Center for Political Violence and Terrorism Research at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. We will take a short break now. You are listening to Unlock the Science on Chula Radio Plus. Compared to other regions, Southeast Asia is not a hotspot of terrorist attacks. However, this does not mean that there is no persistent terrorism in the region. 
Alokta Science will now discuss about the tourist landscape in Thailand, which was ranked second by the Global Tourism Index in the Asia-Pacific region in terms of casualties from tourism in 2021. There are two notable incidents in the country that have highlighted the perpetual threats of tourism. First comes the 2015 bombing at Rajaprasong intersection in Bangkok. To be more specific, it took place at Erawan Shrine, which is one of the most significant religious venues, attracting hundreds of locals and foreign tourists each day who come to pay their worship. The bombing resulted in 20 fatalities and injured over 100 people. The capital has never seen an attack of such scale before then, thus putting tourism threats in urban areas high on the agenda. The second incident, which is a continued situation rather than a single incident, has been persisting for years in the southernmost region of Thailand and been known as the Deep South Insurgency. The Deep South refers to Yala, Patani, and Aratiwa provinces, but also includes certain parts of another adjoining province of Songkhla. The violence has persisted for a long time because several insurgent groups constantly demand independence, and they also enjoy support from some local people. In the past 18 years, this continued violence resulted in over 7,000 fatalities and tens of thousands of injuries, as well as security incidents in the Deep South, according to Deep South Watch, a conflict incident database operated by Thai researchers. Peace dialogues between the Thai government and these insurgent groups have taken place over the past decade, but the conflict is far from being settled. To understand more about terrorism threats, as well as the treatment of the Deep South insurgency in Thailand, Alok the Science reporter Ha Wang Mang talks to Dr. Hasachai Mangkang of Department of International Relations, Faculty of Political Science, Jolangon University. Before his retirement and working as an academic, Dr. Hasachai used to serve as a captain with the Thai Navy. What are the major reasons for the continued violence in the deep south of Thailand? Okay, under current global context, with the spread of democracy and self-determination in liberal world order, secessionism is always possible. It means a minority separating from the, the majority of the, of, the, of the country. Therefore, the insurgents in the deep south of Thailand continue to hope for their own sovereignty. For example, in Southeast Asia, we can see active separation movements in Aceh and Western New Guinea, in Indonesia, Johor, Penang, uh, Sarawak and Sabah in Malaysia, and many states in Myanmar. Also, with the continue, continuation of pan-Islamism and terrorism as their main strategy, the insurgents still possible to receive aids from their Muslim brothers. By saying that, I do not mean Islamism is a cause of violence. Instead, Islamism and Muslim Brotherhood are exploited for their political purpose by creating the sense of shared identity across Thai border. It seems that Thai government have avoided calling any incidents as an act of terrorism. 
What do you think is a reason for such avoidance? The major reason is that Thai governments see the violence more like secessionism rather than international terrorism. I mean, if terrorism were a, uh, were a case, the problem would be more complex because it would involve transnational actors such as terrorists who aim for different purposes. But the deep south of Thailand, uh, in deep south of Thailand, the problem is more like cessationism. Uh, so the purpose is quite clear. Uh, also, Thai government might try to contain the violence within Thai sovereign territory. Otherwise, it might drag other countries like Malaysia to get involved in this problem. And the solution would, would become a lot more difficult and complex. Like I mentioned in the first, the first question, the sentiment of Muslim Brotherhood has an effect on violence also because it is employed as political tool for secession. Therefore, I think that Thai government, uh, they, they have avoided calling any incidents as an act of terrorism because they want, to, uh, they want the problem not to be so complicated that they cannot handle. When we talk about terrorism, do you think Thailand is under any threat of terrorism in the near future or in the longer term? Okay, I think that as long as the uh, the current current political situation and and uh, government right now remains the same, any threat of terrorism in, uh, for Thailand is under control, if not totally disappears. The main reason is that uh, they have good uh, ability, the ability of Thai uh, security agencies, both military and police, uh, they realize what that is, the real force, the major force, and, uh, and they plan and act accordingly, according to the, the course. So I think they, they could contain it also the threat of international terrorism seems to reduce recently with the imminence of con conventional war, such as the war in Ukraine. So the, all, all, the, all the attentions they pay to the, the, the war between Russia and Ukraine right now. So terrorism seems to reduce or decrease in the future. How well informed are Thai citizens of the terrorism threats and how to react when terrorism happens? The answer might be quite a bad news for us because I think Thai people are not quite well informed about terrorism uh, and we tend to easily forget about the previous terrorist incidents such as the 2006 Bangkok bombing uh, which took place in nine locations all over Bangkok back then. Uh, it might be because uh, Thais are too optimistic and they are careless of any kind of 
security issues, which are not obvious or relevant to their daily life. So uh, when the incident occurs, they are not really prepared for it. So it's quite a bad news for us. Do you think the issue of terrorism should be included in the curriculum of Thai education? Absolutely. Some people might argue that terrorism is a sensitive, sensitive issue and might not be appropriate for students to learn. I quite disagree. I think that the problem is not about the sensitivity of the issue. I think the problem is more about the content of the tourism. Uh, it is about the content that fits for each level of education. For example, in primary school, kids might need to know what just what tourism is. And uh, in secondary school, they might they might want to know how to deal with uh, uh, to protect themselves from terrorism and how to deal with it when it, in, it, when it occurs. But in, universe, in, the, the, in university, uh, students might have to analyze and understand terrorism. So it's, 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 it's about the content of, of what we want to teach them. So I still insist that the issue of terrorism should be included in curriculum of Thai education. Associate Professor Kumar from Nanyang Technological University told Unlock the Science that countries in Southeast Asia have gone a long way in improving their counter-terrorist measures over the past two decades. However, more measures in dealing with extremist ideas which are circulating on social media and exploiting socioeconomic situation need to be introduced to better cope with terrorism. Also, he strongly advised people to exercise more caution now the countries have opened their borders again for international travels after two years of lockdowns due to the COVID-19 pandemic, as international movement could facilitate terrorist acts. Both Dr. Hasachai from Chulalongkorn University and Associate Professor Kumar stressed that education of terrorism is crucial if countries are to raise awareness of the issue among its population curb discrimination of cultures and subcultures associated with terrorists, and strengthen national security. Alok the Science would like to thank Associate Professor Dr. Kumar Ramakrishna, Head of International Center for Political Violence and Tourism Research at S. Raja Ratnam School of International Studies of Nanyang Technological University in Singapore and Dr. Hasachai Mangkang of Department of International Relations, Faculty of Political Science, Jilalongkorn University. I hope you enjoy our program. You can listen to Unlock the Science on Jilal Radio Plus at FM 101.5 every Saturday from 1 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. You can also listen and follow us on our website, curadio.chula.ac.th, and our Facebook page. Our show is also accessible as podcasts, including on Apple and Spotify. See you again next Saturday. Have a nice day. Unlock the Science is edited and produced by Sinfa Tunsorawood.